Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Here we are at midweek already. Glad you have let us be part of your day. We always appreciate it. Coming up on today's program, Farm Progress announces their virtual farm shows to replace the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. We will talk with Matt Youngman, events manager for Farm Progress, get some details on how their virtual show will go. Also, Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council joins us today as the pork industry makes its case to Congress for more assistance from COVID-19 as that uh, as the Senate prepares its next round of assistance. And Dennis Toddy, USDA's Director of Midwest Climate Hub, will join us. We'll talk about the weather patterns that have set, settled in. Here we are now moving to the latter part of July. Some areas doing pretty well on moisture. Some areas still not so not so good as more rains have moved across just in the last day or so. We'll talk about that pattern with Dennis Toddy a little bit later on in today's program. But for his weekly visit for an update on CFAP, we're joined now by the administrator of the Farm Service Agency, Richard Fordyce. Richard, good to talk with you again. And let's see, I believe the latest number I saw, $6.2 billion you've sent out in CFAP. Is that right? Yeah, well, good morning, Mike. And yes, that is true, $6.2 billion, uh, in payments as of Monday. Uh, we update that. We update that weekly number on Mondays, and payments have gone to 442,000 producers. Uh, so, you know, again, lots of uh, lots of positive response to the program. That number keeps uh, continues to climb, um, and so, uh, you know, again, uh, very meaningful dollars going to producers in a time when um, you know when markets and Supply chain disruptions uh, due to COVID-19 have really uh, have really been impactful to, to agricultural producers across the country. Recently, you included several, especially specialty crops, uh, into the program. Has money started going to those producers yet? So we we have had some applications on those added crops, uh, and as you as you mentioned, I, uh, they were almost exclusively specialty crops. Um, you know, we continue to analyze the data that we've received, um, you know, uh, the comment period or the NOFA, the time to submit data, um, you know, has been uh, has been a couple of weeks now, actually a little over a couple of weeks. Um, and so, you know, we continue to analyze that data for potential inclusion uh, of other crops and commodities. Wheat growers are frustrated that some of their classes of wheat are still not included uh, can you tell us why or what is the formula you look at? What would keep them out? So, um, so you're right. I know, you know, I've had conversations with wheat growers um, and uh, national and the National Association of Wheat Growers around um, around some of those issues. And um, you know, to be eligible <clears throat> to be eligible for on the on the non-specialty side to be eligible for CFAP. Uh, we have to be able to demonstrate at least a 5% um, drop in in prices. And it's for a specific period of time. It's from January 15th to April 15th. And, um, and so as you look at, as you look at, and you mentioned, Mike, um, certain classes of wheat, 
um, we actually did not see a price decline. In some cases, we actually saw a bump in prices. Um, and so we, but we continue to work with, um, you know, work with the wheat numbers and continue to analyze, uh, analyze that data. Um, you know, we had, we had submissions from wheat growers and, and uh, wheat associations. Um, and so, you know, we were continuing to analyze that data. You know, I, I think I told you last week, or maybe the week before, that over 1,700 submissions um, as, as part of that NOFA. And so, as you can imagine, that's a lot of data across a lot of commodities and crops and aquaculture, um, nursery crops, specialty crops. That's a lot of data to, to, for our teams to be able to go through. But we continue to continue to wade through that. We're, we're, you know, we're having meetings and, and having conversations around um, what are other potential um, you know, crops or commodities that may, that may possibly be added as eligible to CFAP. Um, no, no decisions have been made yet, um, and, and like we talked last week, I don't know that I want to predict when the next announcement will be. Um, but, but that work is um, we've got we've got teams dedicated um, every day, all day long, and into the night um, that are going through and analyzing that data. So, um, you know, but if you look at certain classes of wheat. In that period of time, when when CFAP, um, you know, w- when we're looking at numbers, we're looking at lost lost value in sales, we're looking at uh, supply chain disruptions from that from that time period, January 15th to April 15th. Um, you know, we, we actually did see we actually did see a bump in prices, and so, but we continue to look at the data. There's more to the story than that, and and we continue to look, and we'll see. You know, we'll see where we come out in the end. Because that could be maybe timing uh early on in the pandemic and as uh, people buying certain products maybe there was you know that that included wheat uh, in the, in the ingredients maybe that was just a temporary bump at that time could it just be a timing that's, thing it, it and that's and that's likely that's likely what it is um <clears throat> so so again we're you know, we're we're looking at we're looking at a lot of things, um, and certainly those classes of wheat are are certainly one of those one of those um, crops, commodities, however you want to say it. That uh, you know that we're we're trying to dig in a little deeper and trying to understand the data a little better. Um, it, it seems like there was a bigger increase in the amount that went out from last week to this than the previous week. It, it, and you said last time we talked, it was just a matter of farmers were busy. Maybe they weren't making the applications. Did you see more requests coming in this past week? You know, we did, and and I think uh, I think last week we talked a little about a little bit about competing priorities. You know, that in the in the in the jobs that folks are doing in the county offices, and you know, our acreage reporting deadline for spring seeded crops um, was July fifteenth. We've We've actually um, we've actually created a grace period where there will be no late file penalties, you know, if producers get those acreage reports done, um, and we give a 30-day um, kind of a 30-day flexibility, uh, and so we know a lot of county offices were focused on acreage reporting because that's what producers wanted them to be doing. Um, producers were making appointments to do acreage reporting um, to make sure that they got those got those acreage reports completed. And so just in conversations with some of our state executive directors across the country and even, even some conversations with some county staff, 
last week, you know, that was kind of what what I had what I had found out is that a lot of work was being done, you know, last week, maybe the week before, and probably will continue, you know, a, a good part of this week and maybe into next week to get those acreage reports finished up, um, and then we'll um, I think we'll see more concentration. Um, you know, with some CFAP applications again um, once, once acres reporting gets finished up. All right, Richard, as always, thanks for the update. We'll talk again next week and uh, see what the numbers are. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, Mike. Always good to visit with you. Appreciate it. FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce. All right, up next, we'll learn about uh, what will take the place of Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. It's a virtual event. We'll find out about it next on AOA. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. When last we talked with Matt Youngman, events manager for Farm Progress, it was about the uh, news of canceling Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days for this year. But he told us there would be an announcement coming on a virtual experience for the shows and we have more details on that now matt joins us once again matt good to talk with you again tell us about this uh, farm progress virtual experience that you have planned well nothing replaces uh, the in-person event mike but we're you know we're really excited we've been we've been working all hands on deck you know we, we we've brought in people from from within farm progress to work on this and even people from within the parent company in forma to 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 make this virtual event happen we knew that we were going to need to have some kind of virtual presence even if we had the live event because there was going to be a segment of our audience that that just you know they were high risk or, or they didn't feel comfortable coming to the event but when we had when we were faced with the cancellation we kind of had to put that in you know it went from being kind of a a bolt-on thing that we were gonna we we're gonna have to being the primary focus of our effort four hours a day um, and, and so now we're, we're working hard on putting together the content that the thing about it is rather than have a virtual farm progress show, and then two weeks later have a virtual harvest day that would probably look very similar. What we're doing is taking the best pieces from both shows and putting them into one live one online event. So it's a merger of the exhibitor lists. It's a merger of, of the field activities that you would typically see. So, we're going to record cattle handling demonstrations in Nebraska. We're going to record haying demonstrations in Nebraska, and then we're going to be in Boone to record combines, tillage, and 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 put in new demos that, that maybe in the past we haven't been able to do, whether it's a planter or some kind of grain handling aspects of the show. So there's going to be some some new things added that that otherwise folks wouldn't be able to see. And and while it's not in person, um, you know when we have a when we have a crowd there, we have to worry about safety, and that's our primary con- concern. Without the crowd there, it's going to allow us to fly drones in places we can't normally do it, or it's going to allow us to put put, cam- put cameras in places that we can't normally have them. And so that ought to make for uh, some, some really good field demonstrations for folks to view. It's going to be September 15th, 16th, and 17th. So basically, during those days... Uh, people will be able to experience uh, the shows virtually. Uh, it will be available like on their computers, their phones. Uh, 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 what platforms will it be available on? 
Yeah, so so when we when we were doing kind of the the initial look at this when we were going to have the live events, it was you know it was it was one layer, but then when we put all the efforts into it, it it was like going from pulling a pulling a half ton truck load to a semi load. So we had to completely redo the infrastructure and and rebuild it. So we've merged three platforms together that we're using for this, and folks will be able to you know there'll be a website coming out in the next press release and and they'll be able to link to it from farmprogressshow.com or huskerharvestdays.com or any one of our our magazine websites but you know the the event is going to happen those 3 days so we will be we'll be rolling out content over the course of those 3 days but I don't want folks to think that that's their only shot to see anything and and that that they have to sit in front of their computer those three days and, and then they'll miss everything there there may be things that you know really high interest things whether it's the you know the mental health track or the marketing track or the weather track or, or the cattle handling demonstrations you know those will roll out over the course of those three days but then well into 2021 those things will be available and you asked about platforms you're going to be able to view this on your desktop your laptop your tablet your phone and, you know, the example that, that I've been using a little bit is, is you know, as I'm sitting in line at the elevator and at my corn head, it sure would be nice to be able to go back and watch the, the field demonstrations and view all the corn heads competing side by side. You're going to be able to do that from your phone all the way through the phone, all the way through the fall, all the way through the winter and, and well into the spring. And, and we're going to be updating the content. So while it's going to roll out September 15th 16th 17th it's it's going to be kind of a, a an online living thing all the way through uh, next year's we're talking with matt youngman events manager for farm progress about their virtual event that's coming up in in place of the traditional husker harvest days and farm progress show so while and as you said it nothing can replace the actual in-person experience of those shows there are some advantages to this matt in that one as you said uh, people can look at it at their convenience whenever it works best for them and their schedule and two i'm thinking about people when they go to the show and they only have that one day uh, you know, they kind of make a game plan. Okay, I can't get to everything, but I'm going to hit certain things because those are things I really want to see. But I'm going to miss some things. Here's a chance now, basically, to experience everything at the show, including some of those things that they might not have gotten to had they gone in person. That, that's exactly right. And, and you know, we're going to have – it's going to live for, for a, a good long time, and, and that's that's certainly a feature of it. And then, you know, it, it's it's hard to give – fair treatment to great big exhibitors and then also folks that are in 10, 10 by 10. So for the folks that don't have field demonstrations, don't have some of that, some of that big eye candy to look at, we're also, we're going to do, um, you know, a short video with every single exhibitor from Husker Harvest Days and Farm Progress Show. Our editorial staff has taken on a pretty massive undertaking to do five or 600 um, you know, two or three minute videos that are going to be on every, every single exhibitor's uh, page on the virtual trade show so you can actually hear from them their uh, yeah, I guess you'd hear from them their pitch of if we were together in person at the show here's what you would have learned about it here's what we would have wanted you to see so you know that in addition to to having a lot of media exposure for these companies and 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 a ton of content for the for the growers beyond commercial content you know we're gonna we're gonna do marketing and and lots of education tracks in this thing and highlight some of the special things in Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, and Indiana. 
um, that that really set the event apart. And, and in addition to it being a global event, it's a it's a very local event too. So you know, there's a there's a lot of work going on to make sure that this is a really really rich experience for the for the growers that are going to come visit over the course of the next six eight months. Yeah, I was going to say it's there would be a lot of work to get it done and put it all together. Uh, so it's ready to go September 15th, 16th, and 17th. And as you said, then people can view it anytime uh, during that those days and after and after that. So, well, one thing, you won't have to worry about the weather. Yeah, that's exactly right. I keep getting all these weather updates for Boone and Grand Island. And, and other than the couple days we're going to record things, I, yeah, that is not my concern. So yeah, my blood pressure is probably lower in July than it's ever been, not worrying about corn getting ready or tents flying through thunderstorms and, and, and those kind of things. But, you know, learning the, this online thing, it sure would be easier just to do the live event. We're learning so many new things, and, and, and it's a good thing. I think, it, you know, there's really a potential here that um, we're going to reach audiences we haven't before, and, and I would expect that if we do this well, it's probably something that's added to my to-do list and my job description. Uh, it's something, you know, some that, that even though we're still going to have the live events and we're going to be back in Decatur and Grand Island next year, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the components of this don't kind of live on past and through this COVID problem. How do crops look in the Boone, Iowa area? <laughs> you know what? They have never looked better. We've never gotten them yeah. in so easy and on time. I got to thank John Deere and Iowa State and every, those farmers and everybody took to get that done. The hay in Grand Island looks amazing. It's a second year stand of alfalfa that's irrigated. Uh, second cutting was was huge, and and we're going to let third cutting go five weeks, so we've got some really good heavy alfalfa there for for those exhibitors to to, to work through. So it, it's we've never looked better, and I wish we could have had an in person event because we'd have had awesome demos in person. But instead, we're going to have awesome demos online. Yeah, and you know, I, I, it's always an impressive sight to see folks out in the field following those combines around at the field demonstrations, but. There's some things in that crowd that you can't see that they'll be able to see on these videos, this virtual experience. Uh, so they should be able to get some information from it in this virtual yeah. uh, show that you're putting on that they would not have even been able to get had they been there in person. Yeah, you can't rewind a live demo. You can't go back and, <laughs> and, and take a second look at a, at a live demo. So. And you can't you can't share it with your your coworkers or your business business partners. So you know there's certainly some advantages here. And and you know everybody's got videos on their websites, but here we're going to run them all head to head in the same field and in the same condition. So it's uh, you know everybody just wants to say no, I'll, I'll just submit you some video. No, you can't just submit video your 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 edited video. You you have to come and run it at our field. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have all these machines running head to head. So, you know, not necessarily head to head side by side, but head to head on the same field. It'll be interesting and should be very informative. And I know you're still working on a lot of this, and we'll talk again as it gets closer to get more details. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, sir. Matt Youngman, events manager for Farm Progress, about their virtual event coming up September 15th to the 17th, but it'll stay on beyond that for your viewing. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. 
Now back to Mike Adams. Yesterday we talked with Dr. Steve Meyer, Kearns and Associates economist, and he gave his projections on the losses facing the pork industry, where they're at, and what could be coming down the line still. A very dire picture indeed. Today we talk with Nick Giordano, Vice President and Counsel, Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council, about the assistance, the aid the pork industry is seeking from uh, the federal government. Nick, thank you for joining us. Uh, Tell us about what it is you feel the industry needs in this next uh, stimulus aid package. Well, we need a lot of help, Mike. We're going to lose hog farmers. The question is how many? Um, We're going to lose small farmers. We're going to lose medium-sized. We're going to lose large. And we need help from the federal government to try and keep the industry looking somewhat like it looks today. Um, This is a a disaster. I, I joined the pork industry in 95. I vividly remember... 98 um it was terrible but it pales in comparison to this um producers were hurt by trade retaliation in 2018 and 2019 so unlike a lot of sectors of the economy they didn't come into this covid disaster with strong economic winds at their back the average hog farmer in the united states broke even in 2018 and 2019, those should have been profitable years. Coming into this year, finally, it looked like hog farmers were going to make money. The prognosis was good, and of course, COVID's turned that upside down. We um, we appreciate what the Congress did in the uh, the CARES Act. We appreciate what the President of the United States did by triggering the Defense Production Act. But we need a lot more help, and specifically. Um, we are um, we're working with um, a group of senators led by Senator Inhofe of Oklahoma on a livestock package to be included in the next COVID bill. Um, this is uh, builds on what House Ag Committee and Colin Peterson got into the Heroes Act. So we're um, this is for livestock farmers. So. Um, hogs, poultry, cattle, and it specifically would provide some compensation for euthanized animals. Now, we're also, like our colleagues um, across the spectrum in American agriculture, working to get more direct payments to our producers, um, and that's really important too. But um, the livestock-specific provision is something that Senator Inhofe introduced, Senators Grassley, Ernst, Tillis, Burr, uh, Braun, Jones are on it, and a number of others are going on to it. Um, there's good support, but the name of the game here is not to work this to go standalone. It's to get it into this next COVID package. How much is CFAP helping, and how much more are you seeing this next assistance package that you're asking for, how much do you think that would need to be as far as dollars? Um, Yes, it's helping. Everything that the Congress and the administration has done is, is helpful. But I think, and look, we understand that 
this is a major problem across the entire economy. I, I think, though, you know, if you if you look at sectors that have been disproportionately impacted, there's no question um, hog farmers have, you know, been been run over here. And we we know already, based on the USDA pigs report, that about a million hogs disappeared. So I think the majority of them, unfortunately, were euthanized. A lot were donated. And then we've got about an additional um, 2 million backed up. And we're not going to get back to full capacity, even though, um, you know, the plants are doing everything they can do to both protect worker health and safety and at the same time um, maximize production. We're not getting back to where we were in March. So we're, we're, but the plants are doing the best they can, but we got a backlog of hogs that don't have a home. And this is a big problem. So um, we really need, I, I think we've been disproportionately impacted. This comes on the heels of two years of um, very difficult trade retaliation from China and Mexico, which again, you know, those years should have been profitable, but the average hog farmer in the U.S. was at break even. So I think we have a pretty good case that we, our folks really, really need some more attention from the federal government. We appreciate, again, we appreciate what the Congress and the administration have done to date, but we need more. Talking with Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council. So, is there a, a dollar amount, Nick, or do you see this? I mean, it's, as you said, this is going to be ongoing for a while. I mean, do you just try to get what you can in this one? And if there's another one, more then, or is, or is it more open-ended than that? Well, um, you heard Dr. Meyer tell you $5 billion. And, in fact, that's the number um, he and Dr. Hayes came up with um, back when this first started. And they're, they, you know, the analysis is based on, on the futures and so on. It's market-based. It's, it's a good number. Um, we've, you know, and, and, but it's an estimate. It's based on what's going to happen for the rest of the year. But I think it's the best data out there. And that's $5 billion is, is a huge number. And, again, this comes on the heels of two years of break-even. So we're going to lose producers. The question is how many. And MPPC's mission at this point is just to keep as much of the industry, as many of our hog producers as possible, financially solvent. So the number uh, is is um, on both the House side in in the legislation championed by um, House Act Committee Chairman Peterson, um, and on the companion. Senate legislation introduced by Senator Inhofe, um, the number is is open-ended, you know, whatever it takes. Now, I can tell you that, you know, it's not it's not going to be five billion in euthanized animals. I mean, the, when, when you look at um, the value of animals because prices have been pushed down so much, um, it's not just the, the animal, the loss isn't just associated with the animals that aren't making into the food chain. Um, the, uh, a lot of the animals that are making it in 
are being sold um, at really low prices because the issue here is not enough capacity to uh, process the hot because of COVID, not enough capacity to process the hogs that have been in the pipeline that the market signaled there was demand for, you know, uh, I going back a year and a half ago, 11, 11 months ago from today. So it's a big problem. Um, we're hopeful that, uh, there, that there is a COVID package. It's not clear. Um, there is not unanimity of opinion within the Democratic caucus about their priorities. There's not unanimity in the Republican caucus. Um, the White House and, and congressional Republicans aren't on the same page yet. We think all that can be navigated. We think there needs to be another package. Um, there are some congressional Republicans that are saying, no, the price tag is too high. Look, I'll tell you, as far as hog farmers are concerned, we really need help. Um, hog farmers are a proud bunch that get very little in terms of support from the federal government typically. But if they ever needed help and if a member of Congress was ever going to do something for hog farmers, now is the time. They need a lifeline. And the question isn't, are we going to lose producers? Are we going to lose some of our production? The question is, how much? We really need help. I talked with uh, Steve Meyer yesterday, asked him about what we might see after this or from this uh, after the 98 crisis we saw a total restructuring really of the of the industry and he didn't think we'd see something quite that dramatic again but he did see consolidation happening some things like that i mean uh what do you think it, the future as you said we're going to lose producers uh can the industry change structurally much more than it already has well, look, let me t first of all, it's, Mike, as you know, it's dangerous to speculate and nobody knows for sure. And certainly Steve is, you know, the guru when it comes to this stuff. But, you know, at 33,000 feet, when you look economy wide, when you generalize about the whole economy, right, this is uh, if, if you don't have cash, if the bankers are knocking at your door, right, you're going to be hurt. So the whole thing lends itself economy-wide to more consolidation. Uh, that's just, and I think any economist will tell you that. So it's, you know, it's not just our sector. Um, I, I think it's an, it's an issue that we got to watch in the aftermath of this economy-wide. Um, but I, you know, I, I think certainly more consolidation in agriculture and across the economy is a real possibility. Well, okay. Nick, thanks a lot, and we'll see what happens in Congress. Uh, appreciate your time and the update on the, the challenge facing the pork industry. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Nick Giordano, Vice President and Council Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
Well, of course, we're at a critical point in the growing season, and uh, some areas getting some uh, pretty good rains, but the other areas still uh, struggling. Let's talk about it with Dennis Toddy, director of USDA's Midwest Climate Hub. Dennis, thanks for joining us. Kind of break down this uh, summer weather pattern that we're in this year and uh, where the lines fall as far as those getting the the rain that's needed in uh, those areas where the crops are, are pretty dry. Uh, I'm sorry, we don't have enough time to get into all that right now. Uh, it's, I mean, you're, you're dead on because we have some big winners and some losers across the Corn Belt. Uh, I was on, just on a call, some folks in Indiana and Ohio mentioning they had some rains coming through this morning, which are greatly needed for them. Uh, Illinois, Wisconsin has been doing, you know, Illinois had some problems earlier. They've recovered. Wisconsin's been doing great. Uh, Iowa probably is the worst of it right now, especially central to west central Iowa, where there have been, you know, complete, uh, you know, missing precipitation regularly. Um, so, you know, the situation in, in those worst areas, uh, that part of west central central Iowa, we've lost some corn already. Um, the port from Ohio, there are some places that have lost corn already there. Um, this is not widespread, but we have pockets where this is happening. But you're right. We are at a critical time where we need to get some rain very quickly for some of these areas. But then some of those areas, we've had some rainfall recently uh, over wider areas that have really made things, you know, helped, helped really make the situation pretty good. Yeah. These patterns by now, are they pretty well established? Do they tell us how the, the summer is going to play out or, or not? Well, you know, the thing we have to remember is that, you know, a lot of things you hear is that precipitation is always spotty. And, and that does tend to be the case that convective situations, storms tend to be spottier as we're going along. And, and this has not been, a, a you know, your prototypical drought where you turn hot and dry. We've, we've been hot and dry in pockets, but we've had, again, a lot of places that are getting rainfalls. Um, is, the, is, you know, is the situation locked in right now? Um, not so much. In fact, I think we're maybe seeing a bit more of a transition from, uh, you know, where, where we've been, been very you know, warm throughout much of July. Looks like August, you know, the, the outlooks right now for July still lean towards the warm side. But just looking at the computer models, say we may not be quite as warm i don't think we're going to be cool but may not have quite quite as much going along and then the tropical atlantic seems to be getting more active again so that can be for for at least the the southern and eastern part of the corn belt can be a situation for them to get some additional rainfall so that's something else we also need to keep track of now too yeah overall how have the temperatures when uh, compared to uh, summers past, what, where are we to the average? Sure, compared to averages, last 30 days, it's really interesting. While we have been warm, perceptions been warm, and we have been warm, the warmest areas have actually been, you know, up over more of the Great Lakes, where we've been like two to four or a little bit higher compared to average. In an area from the Dakotas down through Iowa to southern Illinois, Indiana, last 30 days we've only been a little bit above average overall you know the whole corn belt has been above average but but not as much as we would expect and then and you know we have had these punctuated by some 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 very hot periods uh like we did this last weekend another one coming up this next weekend where we've been very warm very humid um 
which you know we expect to have and it was stressful it was stressful for the crop was stressful for livestock but the thing we have to remember too is that with a large part of this crop being in pretty good situation uh and does have some moisture in 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 the in the, in the soil profile they're able to use that and we're adding the humidity back to the atmosphere so so we're, we're going to be staying warm uh warm and humid for at least the time being it looks like even in the areas, and I'm in a good one here in West Central Illinois, where we've been getting rains, uh, you always, at this time of year, you're thinking, well, after you've had one, is that the last one going to be for a while? You wonder when the next one's coming, so you're always kind of nervous about that. But yet, uh, the pattern for some areas, like where I'm at, so far has been, you know, uh, rain seemingly almost about every week, the way it's been in July. And that's about what we need right now is that we do need, even even the places that are good, we do need to have, uh, you know, an inch a week or so would be really good for most of these situations because we, we probably have tapped out a lot of the soil moisture in a lot of places. So the places where, where, where we have had the heavier rains have probably recovered that way. Uh, so, yeah, like the Illinois, southern Wisconsin, parts of Indiana are going to continue to need that rainfall going on. That Ohio area, central western Iowa, need rain right now. You know, really do need rain right now because we have corn that is, you know, I mentioned some has been damaged. Some more damage can be done if we don't get something soon. And then we need to start talking about soybeans. What's going to be happening with soybeans that we have some multiple stresses going on soybeans this year. Uh, that uh, we, we've had some reports of a couple of spots where we've, we've lost some soybeans in Iowa now, too. It's been drying up on some poorer soils. Uh, soybeans are managing along, but they're going to need something to, to change. So that's where, you know, if we do get a more a somewhat more active pattern going, we can still help them out on, on the backside of the spring season here. Yeah, we usually think of August as that, that critical month for soybeans. Right. Right, uh, and 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 we really will need some of that in some of these worst areas to be able to to deal with that issue. One of the other advantages of, of with this overall warmer than average, it's been it's been interesting because there has been a lot of variability in, in the reports on progress, but I, I think we've moved crop progress and we planted early enough that I don't think we're going to be problem into problems with late season frost freeze issues. We should be mature enough if, by the time we get around to those kinds of situations. Uh, so that won't be as much of a concern. It's just how much stress have we done to, to the crop along the way. Well, always good to talk with you, Dennis. Another interesting year. We'll see how it plays out. We'll stay in touch. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. You guys take, take care. care. Dennis Toddy, Director of USDA's Midwest climate hub and with that we wrap it up for today thank you for joining us tomorrow we'll hear the ethanol industry's case for more assistance for assistance from the government they hope to be in this next package hope you'll join us on aoa you're listening to 